Welcome to the Hope United podcast, where we're creating a culture of worship, family, and discipleship. We hope this message challenges, inspires, and gives you hope today. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord, and I'll say it like David said it. I was glad when they said unto me, come let us go into the house of the Lord. I thank each and every one of you for being here this morning. I don't believe that it's a coincidence. I believe it is because of a divine appointment. So if you can reach up and touch your ears. Father, anoint our ears so that we can hear what your spirit is saying to us today. Anoint our minds so that we can understand what your spirit is saying to us today. And anoint our hearts so that we can receive what your spirit is saying to us today. Amen? Amen. So, in this world and this world system, likes to give us titles, likes to label us, you know, the tall one, the short one, the fat one, the skinny one. Oh, he has ADHD. Oh, she's diabetic. Oh, the poor one, the rich one. Or it could be the lawyer, the doctor, the preacher, the prophet, the apostle. We have become used to statements like, what do you identify as? Black, white, biracial, other. (laughs) But I'm here to tell you that our identity is not our race, is not our age, is not our ailments, is not our job, is not our height, it's not even our religion. Our identity is wrapped in a person, and his name is Jesus. That he has given us a new identity, right? Second Corinthians 5.17 says that in him we are a new creation, and that the old things are passed away. Old culture is passed away. Old titles are passed away. In him, we are new. And so, what is that new identity? How is that defined? What does that look like, right? Well, according to scripture, a part of that new identity is conqueror, according to Romans 8.37. According to 2 Corinthians 5.21, it is righteousness, According to 2 Timothy 1 and 7, it is love and power. And according to John 1, 11 through 13, we are children of God. Your title is child of God. And you have to defend that title because Satan is coming for it. Every day he's coming for it. So this morning I will speak to you about defending your title. Amen? Amen. I just want to thank God for this opportunity to speak to you this morning what he has for you to say, that I'm just standing here and he's using me. He's speaking through me to you, to each and every one of you specifically, specifically to each and every one of you. I also want to thank Pastor Joshua and Pastor Corinne for giving me this opportunity, uh, this privilege, uh, this responsibility to share with you this morning. So, I believe that 
a part of who we are in Christ, we can see in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And I will read it from the King James Version. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You are chosen, you are holy, you are royal, you are peculiar. You are chosen, you are holy, you are royal, you are peculiar. In case you didn't hear me the first two times. You are chosen, you are holy, you are royal, you are peculiar. So let's look at chosen first. God has hand-selected you, specifically enlisted you into his kingdom for his purpose to bring him glory. That God has hand-selected you, specifically enlisted you. That he has chosen you, specifically. That you were not born by accident. You were not a mistake. You are not here by happenstance. You are not simply a result of a biological occurrence, right? Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So I want you to put yourself in that scripture. I want you to rehearse that scripture for yourself and say, before I was in my mother's womb, God knew me. Before I was born, he set me apart. He appointed me to be whatever to the world, right? You have to put yourself in the scripture that this wasn't just for Jeremiah, but this is for you too. That God was intentional when he created you. The same with, with the same intention that he created Adam. He formed him, right? He molded him. He shaped him. He breathed into his body the breath of life, and he became a living soul. It's the same intention that he created you. He formed you, shaped you, molded you, and breathed into you his breath, and you are his. He chose you, right? We see this echoed also in the New Testament with his disciples, that Jesus wasn't just walking by the Sea of Galilee and saw the sons of Zebedee and said, hey, y'all, y'all want to follow me? No, nah, that's not how it happened. He pursued them. He handpicked them. Each and every one of them, Peter, cussing, chopping people's ears off, he picked him. Nathaniel, Downton Thomas, all of them, he pursued them. He went after them, and he said, take up your cross and follow me. I want to make you fishers of men. And he's saying the same thing to each and every one of us. When we came into the consciousness of who Jesus Christ is to us, that's when you got saved right? It's not because a light bulb went off in your head and you're like, oh my goodness, this is such a good idea. It is because the Holy Spirit pursued you. God came after you. He said, come unto me. He said, I have something for you to do. We see it with Paul on the road to Damascus, that Jesus came down from heaven, knocked Paul off of his horse, his high horse, and said to him, you thought that you were called to be a Pharisee, but I called you to be an apostle to the nation, that that was my purpose and plan for you before you were in your mother's womb. 
that you may be in a situation or a circumstance born into a family, whatever it is, and you may think that's all that it is. But God says that I have an assignment for you. I have chosen you for such a time as this. You are chosen. God made you with intention, and he chose you on purpose. God made you with intention, and he chose you on purpose. Now, the enemy's job is to kill, steal, and destroy, right? So, of course, he's going to try to debunk that truth, right? He's going to come and make you feel unworthy. Like, why would God choose you? Ain't nothing special about you. You're sinful, and you can't even get it right. And guess what? There is no lie in that. We're not worthy, right? Worthy is defined as having or showing the qualities or abilities that merit recognition in a specific way. We already know that we do not receive salvation or God's love or his mercy or his justice or his grace because of our own merit, right? It is just because of his grace and his mercy. And yeah, we are sinful, right? Romans 8.23. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But praise God for verse 24. That's why you got to keep reading. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of sin. Through Christ, he makes us right in his sight and frees us. So when the enemy comes and says, oh, you're sinful. Yes, I know, but Christ makes me right. He makes me right because I was chosen. He picked me. He selected me. He picked you. He selected you. You are chosen. And next, you're holy. You are holy. Colossians 1.22 says, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a, as a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. So when the enemy tries to make you feel unworthy of being chosen, you go to this scripture and says, but it is written that I am holy and blameless, and as I stand before him without a single fault, devil, you are a liar. I am chosen and I am holy. Get behind me, Satan. And next, you are royal. Of course, I like this part, right? <laughs> you are royal. So many times in scriptures we see that it says that Jesus is king, right? I get no argument with that. You can't debate that Jesus is king. But we are joint heirs with him. So if he is king and he is royal, that means that you are a king or a queen and you are royal also. And with royalty comes authority. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. God has given you authority over all the power of the enemy. That he did not create you to be mediocre. He did not create you to be defeated by the enemy. Our word for this year is that we're undefeated. We are undefeated. He has given you power over all. He's given you authority over all power of the enemy. 
all power of the enemy, no matter what he comes at you with, sickness, God has given you power over that. You struggle with thoughts in your mind. God has given you power over that. You struggle with issues in your family. God has given you power over that. It's time to open up your mouth and speak. When a king, when a king declares a thing, right? When a king declares a thing, it has to come to pass. You are a king and a queen. When the queen of England speaks, people listen, right? People start to move about. They start to do what she says. When we speak with the power and authority that God has given us by the name of Jesus, that Satan has to flee. He has to go. So use the power and authority in your tongue that God has given you. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. And he will try to make you be silent. He'll try to tell you, you don't have nothing to say. I have lots, of, lots to say. It's written in his word. You don't know what to say, go to his word. Rehearse it, repeat it. I am royal. We look at David, right? He had to defend his title as king. Because that's what the enemy wants to do. When God has seated us in heavenly places with his son, right? So the enemy, he came, he came for God. He tried to take God out of position, off of the throne. Of course, he's going to come for us. So we see in 2 Samuel chapters 15 through 18, I think. Read it all. Chapters, all of them. <laughs> Read it all. Study it this week. 2 Samuel 15 to 18. Um, we see David, and he's king of Israel, right? And his son Absalom started to feel himself. And he, he came for David. He came for his dad. And he says, I want your throne, right? And he got the people behind him. So he deceived the people, and the people was like, yeah, we would Absalom now. And so David had to flee from the castle. But then David said, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. God has appointed me. He anointed me king. He gave me the title. And only God can move me from this position. So guess what? I'm going to defend my title. I'm coming for you, Absalom. You better run. I'm coming for you. So David and his mighty men of valor, they went to the forest of Ephraim. And it was David's men of, mighty men of valor. And it was Absalom's, whatever you want to call them. Uh, <laughs> and David's men killed 20,000 of Absalom's men. And Absalom was eventually killed himself. Because if God puts you in a position, man cannot take you out of the position. But you got to fight for the position. You can't just go walk meekly about, oh, um, okay, I'm going to move out this spot. No, God put me here. And if God didn't move me, I'm not moving. I'm putting on the full armor of God. I'm taking up the sword of the spirit. And I'm going to defend my title. Amen. You are chosen. You are holy. You are royal. You are peculiar. You are peculiar. I know that doesn't sound like a compliment, but it is. Peculiar is defined as distinctive, different from the norm, unusual. Distinctive, different from the norm, unusual. You are distinctive, you are different from the norm, you are unusual. God did not create you to fit in. He created you to stand out, okay? 
You can't be like them because he didn't create you to be like them. You're not like anybody else in your family because he didn't create you to be anybody, like anybody else in your family. We're in the world, but not of the world. Oh, she don't smoke. No, I don't. Oh, she don't drink. She don't have sex. No, because I'm different. I'm called out. His church, the word ecclesia, means called out. He has called you out from among the world. We are not to conform to this world. We are to be transformed. When we walk into a place that they're supposed to say, there's something different about her. She always smiling. That's not me, but... She, she always so nice. She always have an encouraging word. Just imagine people are like perturbed and like confused. She always encouraging people. She always want to pray. Now that's me. She always want to pray for somebody. It's because we are from a different kingdom and we have a different culture. You're not called to fit in. You're not called to be like anybody else. If God took the time to create each and every one of us with unique fingerprints that no two are the same. That means that he wants us to be different, that he expects us to act differently. And I think, Francesca, you said this one time. If I'm busy trying to be like Francesca or busy trying to be like Janae, that means I'm not doing what God created and formed me to do before I was in my mother's womb. I can only be me, and I'm happy there's only one me. So he is going to try to attack you, the enemy that is, and say, oh, you don't pray like so-and-so. You don't preach like so-and-so. You can't even understand the Bible like so-and-so. Well, God didn't create me to be like so-and-so and such-and-such. And And he speaks to each and every one of us differently. And he reveals to each and every one of us differently because he called us to be different. Amen? Amen? So, you are chosen, you are holy, you are royal, you are peculiar. I need you to say it with me. I am chosen, I am holy, I am royal, I am peculiar. Now, Rob Owens was here last week. That was a tough message. I think some people's corns got mashed. That's something we say where I'm from, mine included. But... One thing he said was that, you know, it's easy to sing the songs, but how do you live it? It's easy to say, you know, I'm chosen, I'm holy, I'm royal, I'm peculiar. But how do you live it out in your everyday life? With intentionality. God was intentional and purposeful when he made you. So you have to be intentional and purposeful about being who God created you to be. Right? So we're going to go back to David. So David was um, anointed. He got this prophetic word. You know, we get excited when the prophet comes to town. A prophet came to his town. Samuel came. I know they was excited. They actually were not excited. They were afraid. But when prophets usually come to church, we're like, oh, I'm going to get a word. God's going to tell me about, you know, how he's going to use me. And we get excited. And so David received this great word. You are going to be king of Israel. And, I'm, and, it, and it wasn't just a word. They had like a coronation. Like they anointed him and they, they knighted him king 
of Israel. So David was between 15 and 17 at that time. But David did not become king or did not see the full manifestation of that word until he was 37. So when he was 30, he did, you know, ascend to the throne. But he was only king over one tribe, Judah, and it was 12 tribes. And it took seven and a half years for him to become king of all 12 tribes of Israel, the whole country. So I'm sure that during this 20 years, David's like, uh, <laughs> you need to hurry, up on, hurry on up with this word. You know, it required patience. But it also gave an opportunity for the devil to attack because he's going to attack. He's going to come for your faith. He's going to come after your word. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy, right? So I'm sure that David was there, like, the enemy was there telling David, you know, stuff that made him not feel worthy. Like, you a shepherd. You are a shepherd. You shepherd sheep, not people. What are you, th what are you thinking? What are you thinking? So how did David maintain and stand, not just stand on the word, he was king. God called him king. He just wasn't on the throne yet. He was king before he was in his mother's womb. He was king when he was uh, fighting the lion and the bear. He was king when he was fighting Goliath. He was always king. How do you maintain that? He was king when he was hiding in the caves and in Getty instead of sitting on the throne in Gilboa. How did he maintain and say, I'm going to stand on this word. This is who God said that I am. I know it's coming to pass. I think that there's six things that David did that we need to do to defend our title right? The first thing is he encouraged himself in the Lord. You got to encourage yourself in the Lord. You got to remind yourself of what God said about you. This is what God said. I'm going to be king and I'm going to be king. He prayed and he inquired of the Lord. He worshiped. He worshiped. He praised. Praise confuses the enemy. He was obedient. It is so important to be obedient to God when it is about your purpose and your destiny. The enemy wants to get you out of position. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And sixth, he fought vigilantly, valiantly, victoriously. So I encourage you to do these things. Encourage yourself. Pray. Worship. Praise. Be obedient when God speaks. Delayed obedience is disobedience. I have learned that the hard way. And he fought. And also one more thing that we should, should, I should say should not do. Don't get in agreement with negative thoughts about yourself. Don't get in agreement with negative thoughts about yourself. And they're subtle. The enemy is subtle. He comes with subtlety. And you're like, yeah, that's true. I don't, I don't know if this, this job for me. Like, wait, God is in heaven. Like, did I not? say and send a whole prophet to confirm uh, don't get into agreement about negative thoughts about yourself so most of you have heard my story before but I think that it will bear some benefit to share this portion of my testimony um, again so most of you know some of you don't I'm from the Bahamas I'm from Nassau from Nassau yes um and the island of Nassau is seven miles by 21 miles. That's really small, right? So when I was growing up, 
my expectation of myself, of what I could be and what I could do when I grew up, was limited to that seven by 21 miles. So only what I saw on that little rock is what I thought that I could do, right? Work in a hotel, work in a bank, teach, be a nurse, like what else they do? Fish, I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> but I knew that I like to tell stories, I like to talk, and I can write pretty good. I knew those things about myself, but I didn't think that they were special. I didn't think that they were gifts from God. As I grew and matured in God and developed a relationship with him, the Holy Spirit began to send people that would affirm those gifts in me and be like, you know, you're really good at this. This, you have something that's really special. And the enemy will say, ain't nothing special about you and talking too much. And when I was in school, because I taught on very many occasions, talking so much, I would get put out the class, in the back of the class, kindergarten, tape on my mouth, <laughs> because I talk a lot. But talking was my gift. Talking was my gift. I'm talking to you right now. And I didn't realize it, and a lot of people didn't realize it. But he sent people. I had a teacher in sixth grade in high school. Um, I had him in sixth grade, but he became the vice principal of my school when I was in high school. And I had written a paper on abstinence in the ninth grade. And he was like, oh my goodness, this is so good. I don't even know how he got it, sir. How'd you get this? And he was like, I want you to talk. I want you to talk to the whole student body, not my class, the whole student body. I went to Christian school. We had chapel on Tuesdays. And he was like, next Tuesday, I want you to talk <laughs> to all of your peers about not having sex. No, sir, I'm not doing that. <laughs> not doing that. And every day he'd be like, you ready? No, sir, I said no. <laughs> and he's like, you don't have a choice. And so I'm like, okay, I guess I'm gonna have to do it. But that was the first time that I spoke in front of a crowd and realized what God had in me that this is a gift, that this is a gift. Speaking is a gift, writing is a gift. And he wants me to do something with the gift, that the gift of words that he's giving me, given me is to bring truth to set people free. Not to talk just to talk and write just to write, but to speak truth and write truth to set people free. And so the enemy, and I've gotten agreement, there's nothing special about you. My God says <laughs> that he has called me to speak truth, to write truth, to bring people freedom. Do not get in agreement with the negative things that God says about you. No matter how many rejection letters I get when I submit manuscripts, no matter how insignificant I may feel when I speak, I know what God has said about me, and I affirm it every single day. Every day, I remind myself what God has said about me. He says, I am a unique expression of God placed on this earth to carry out his divine purpose. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am blessed, favored, and loved by the creator. I hunger and thirst after righteousness. I grow in spiritual maturity daily as I aspire to move from glory to glory. I am the king's kid and engrafted into royal heritage. Therefore, I receive my inheritance. 
I have an endless supply of resources that I use to edify the kingdom, bless my family, and empower my community. Renaissance Holdings, Inc. is a multi-million dollar multinational company. I use the gifts and talents that God has given me to make the world around me a better place. I will change the world one person at a time. I am a best-selling author whose books not only enlighten, but also entertain. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and I will treat it as such. I will cherish and honor my body by exercising and eating healthy. This is the only body I have, so I, will, so I must treat it right. I am healthy, whole, and happy. I have divine perpetual health. My husband and I have a marriage that mirrors God's intention for marriage. I am the Proverbs 31 woman who submits to him, and he loves me as Christ loves the church. Our mission as a couple is to teach other couples by example and through coaching how to be that mirror image also. Our children are better, smarter, and more blessed than we are. They are true warriors in God's army. And even though I'm a work in progress, I am already all God intends me to be. That's my affirmation. I affirm that to myself every day because guess what? When you know who you are, the enemy can't tell you who you are not. If you don't know who you are, he can come to you with any type of lie, any type of deception, and you get in agreement with it that, yeah, I am mediocre. Yeah, there's nothing special about me. No, my God said I'm the head and not the tail. My God said I'm above and not beneath. My God said that I'm a lender and not a borrower. My God said I am blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Jesus' rebut to Satan was, it is written. Our rebut to him is God said, God said, God said, God said. You are chosen. You are holy. You are royal. You are peculiar. You are chosen. You are holy. You are royal. You are peculiar. That is who you are, right? And the enemy is going to come every day to try to tell you that you're not chosen. Why would God choose you? That you're not holy. Look at what you did. That you're not royal. <laughs> He's going to laugh. That you're not peculiar. He's going to try to make you fit in. And every day, you, just like you get up and you brush your teeth, you take a shower, you eat your breakfast, you have a routine. Create a routine. Put on every day, put on the armor of God. Take up the sword of the Spirit. Affirm who God says that you are. It might not be a whole page and a lot of words like mine, but it could just simply be I am chosen. I am holy. I am royal. I am peculiar. That this generation, the millennials, that God that Satan is trying to label them, right? But God has already called them out as a John the Baptist to be one crying out in the wilderness. Don't let the world label you if you're a part of that generation or even my generation. X. Um, no, I'm not X. I'm the cross. Amen? Amen? So if the enemy has you believing a lie about who God says you are and you're not walking in who God says you are as a child of God and you want us to pray with you, you can come up and email intercessors. Sorry, intercessor. We're going to decree and declare with you and over you 
who God says that you are. If you're not sure about who you are, if you've forgotten who you are, we're going to pray with you. Hallelujah. Father God, we just praise you. We honor you. We thank you. We magnify your holy name, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that before we were even in our mother called us, you appointed us, you chose us for such a time as this. I come against every lie of the enemy that would try to cripple us, that would try to have us walking in deception, Lord God. I cancel that assignment right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God. I speak over your people, the mind of Christ Jesus. I release truth to your people right now in the name of Jesus. Your word says that when we know the truth, the truth will make us free. So we release truth, Lord God, into this house right now right now, over each person right now, in the name of Jesus, the truth about who you say that they are, Lord God. We come, Lord God, against any words spoken against your people, Lord God. We cancel them right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God. I come, Lord God, against the spirit of heaviness, Lord God. I break it right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God. I come, Lord God, against any lethargy, Lord God. I cancel it right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God. I come, Lord God, against lukewarmness, Lord God. I cancel it right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Release your fire, Lord God, upon your people, Lord God. Release your fire upon your people, Lord God. No more lukewarmness, Lord God. No more timidity, Lord God. Your word says that you've not given us a spirit of timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. I release power. I release love. I release a sound mind to your people in the name of Messiah Yeshua. Thank you, Lord God. If there's anybody, if there's anybody who has not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Who, God can't call you a child of God if you don't accept him when he calls you. And I would just invite you to repeat this prayer after me. Father, I thank you for your son and the sacrifice that he made. I repent of my sins and I receive the free gift of salvation. I decree and declare that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. I thank you for choosing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other episodes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it and share it with friends. For more info or to connect with us, go to hopeunited.church. Remember, in Christ Jesus, we are one family in faith.